and uh, look at just this thought tonight on um, on who God is. Uh, we sort of introduced it last week, and uh, Genesis one twenty six is where we'll start, and uh, we'll turn to a couple of passages of Scripture this evening. Hope that you're well. Hope you've had a good week. I appreciate. Um, your faithfulness over the weekend, and appreciate those men who stepped in and uh, did a wonderful job. Um, you know, I'm just blessed by uh, technology can be a, a blessing. Um, you know, in our day, and was able to watch the uh, watch the services on Facebook Live. So appreciate that. And maybe the the guys didn't know I was watching, but I was. All right. So uh, Genesis 1, um, 26, and God said, "Let us make man in our image." After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And um, uh, just gonna just gonna talk about the uh, our our God tonight, and again, uh, just with the thought of of knowing Him. And you know, our job uh, in relation to God is not to build one in our image. All right, to construct the kind of God we want. Um, our job is to discover who God is. And the Bible is really the revelation of God. And so when we're thinking about how to know God, uh, that's where we must first go to discover Him. Um, last week we saw five things about God, that He exists, that He is life, that He is a spirit, that He is beyond um, meaning uh, you can't contain him, but then also he is among, that he, he chooses at some times to, uh, to come into time and space to deal with us, to relate to us, and obviously that's demonstrated in the person of, of Jesus Christ. Um, but tonight I want you to note um, something about God that really tonight it's going to be, uh, it's, a, it's something that is true of him, it's a, it's a doctrinal thing, but I'm going to use it as a bit of a as a bit of an illustration uh, about the, the need to approach God by faith and approach Him not with, not with the idea that some, some, somewhat we will completely understand Him, but there are some things about God that we're going to just have to approach by faith as we go through the Word of God. And tonight we're going to look at, firstly, that God is a triune God, that He is three in one. Um, an author said this, There is only one God, but in the unity of the Godhead there are three eternal and co-equal persons, the same in substance, but distinct in, some, in subsistence. And we see here in our, in our opening um, verse, note there, And God said, Let us make man in our image. Uh, notice there that, that God referred to himself and he used the a plural. He said, let us. And so I think we understand, I'm going to take it for granted that, that you, have, you have knowledge of, of this, that our God is a triune being. Okay, we call this the doctrine of the Trinity. All right, and God said, let us make man in our image. So you've got to ask yourself here as we start off, who is that us that we read there in, in the verse? And the Bible bears it out for us in Matthew 28, 19. Uh, we, we see that as a great commission, but he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And so that us is those, those three distinct persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We see in 1 John 5, 7, uh, really the context of 1 John chapter 5 is, is the validity of Christ's witness. But in comparison to that, he's saying there are three that bear record in heaven. Okay, the Father, the Word, which we know in John 1, 1 is speaking about the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And so we understand that our God is a triune God, okay? We call, we, that's the doctrine of the Trinity. And so even though there's three distinct persons of the Godhead, at the same time, the Bible teaches us that God is one. Okay, so Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Uh, even the Lord Jesus, who himself, as we understand, uh, is God and claimed to be God, he said the exact same thing. Look at Mark chapter 12. So we'll look at different portions of Scripture. Mark chapter 12, and uh, verses, verses 29 to 30. And uh, the a scribe asks him, what's the first commandment? All right, and, and he says, and he re responds in verse 29, and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And so he responds there, and, and reaffirms the teaching that we see in the Old Testament that the law, that our God is one God. He's one Lord. All right? And so, so our God is a triune being, but at the very same time, He is also one. Okay, so God is three in one. All right? God is the Father. Okay? Who is not the Spirit or the Son. God is the Son. Who is not the Father or the Spirit. And God is a spirit who is not the Father or the Son. All right? And yet these three distinct persons are not three at all. They are one. And we see that taught right through Scripture. A couple of places, Isaiah 44 verse 8, it says, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not told thee from that time? And have declared it, ye are even my witness. Is there a God beside me? Singular. It says, Yet there is no God, I know not any. He says in, in chapter 45, verses 5 and 6, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Singular. I go to thee, though thou hast not known me. And similarly, in, in the New Testament, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And look at verse 4. And he's addressing a, a broader issue here, but, but notice the verbiage and the wording that he uses. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. And, and so, again, we're, we're thinking about this, uh, the, the doctrine of the Trinity, that he is one. Okay, God in, God in three persons, but one. He says, for, for though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, 
And, and again, notice in your, in your Bible there, that should be small uh, letter G, God. And he says, but there, to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. So again, in this, in this passage, it's really dealing with another thing. It's confirming there again that, that we have a God who's three in one. All right? And so in, in all of that, and again, this isn't is an, an in-depth study of that. I'm just going to use this as an illustration. You'll see uh, we can summarize this with three statements. God is three persons. Each person is fully God, but there is one God. All right, we'll just repeat that again. Okay, God is three persons. Each person is fully God, but there is one God. All right? So, now tonight, you're, you're, we've, I, I'm, I'm going to just take for granted we'd be, we've been in church long enough that we've heard that doctrine, we've heard it preached, we've heard it taught. And uh, sometimes we can underplay the complexity of that. Um, and, and because of that, because the reality is God is not just some being that we can comprehend. But because of that, there are the, the complexity of this, there, there has this historically led to three errors. Because of the, 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 the difficulty of understanding this completely, there has been historically been three errors in regard to this. And I'll just name them just for, for your information. The first one is called modalism. Okay, the modalism is this. They define the Trinity as one person with three different representations or faces. All right? But really, that belief denies the distinct personhood of each. All right? It denies that. It's not just God with three parts or three different personal, you know, faces. Um, the, the next one is uh, hard to pronounce, subordinationism. All right, if you need to uh, know how to spell that, I'll just show you later, all right? But that's where they define it, that the Father is God, but then the Son and the Holy Spirit are created beings that are less and thus so subordinate to the Father. But that's just outright heresy, isn't it? Um, if if they're, they're all co-equally God. And then the last one is tritheism, and that's this, that there are actually three gods. But really, again, it denies Scripture's clear statements of God's oneness, that there's no other God beside Him. All right? So again, just think about the, I mean, we summarize it with those three statements, and maybe tonight I think we, we have, some, uh, I guess, uh, enough understanding of it that we just go, we sort of look at, think about that and think it's not that complex, but it actually is. And because of that, it's led to these kind of errors of, of how that's, that's interpreted or that's believed in, in the Bible. And, and really for the simple reason that man wants to understand something, that is not understandable. And because of these complexities, there's been, I think anyway, some, some illustrations that really have badly explained something that's so complex about God. 
And I'll name a few. Maybe, maybe you've used some. Actually, I've probably used some in the past too. Uh, someone, uh, the classic example is a three-leaf clover. Okay, someone's trying to explain the Trinity. They try to show you the three-leaf clover. Maybe they were Irish and, and love St. Patrick, but it's, it's really just a, badly, a bad way to explain it. They say it's three parts but one plant. Again, this is actually polytheism. Okay, each leaf is only part of the clover. It isn't the clover. So in the Trinity, each person is fully God, though. Okay, so, so really that's a bad way to explain it. So if you're doing it that way, please stop, all right? Some say, uh, some use uh, the illustration of, of water, ice, and steam. Where, where water, water is, can be in three different modes. You know, water in its liquid form is, is what we see, but then also ice in its solid form, and then steam in, in, its, uh, in its gas form. Um, but, but really... Water is simply manifested in three different ways. And, and really what that is, it's modalism. All right? The, the same water is never in three forms at the same time. That's impossible. Yet we find all three manifested, if you look at it, at Christ's baptism. And um, notice here in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And look at verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. So this is the Lord Jesus. He's, uh, he's, he's coming to John the Baptist to be baptized. He's in his physical, uh, as the son of God. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, so he's, he's now going to be baptized. And Jesus, when he was baptized, so he's, he's there, the son, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Then notice this, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So who's that speaking? The Father. So we see the Son, the Spirit, and the Father manifested all at the three, all at the same time, all three in the same time. So, so that that um, illustration again of, of water, ice, and steam—it's really, really not appropriate. Um, again, the Father spoke; the, the Holy Spirit descended; the Son was baptized, and and God doesn't manifest here in. Um, just in these three aspects, he's three persons, yet one God. All right? Um, another, another illustration that, that really badly explains this is the father, the son, and husband. They say, you know, it's one person but three roles. Okay, it's the same person but three roles of the same person. And again, it's, it's actually modalism, okay? The, the Trinity is not one God with three different roles. It is one God in three distinct persons. Um, there's some honorable mentions. You have the egg, right? I don't know. I, I used to use the egg. That was my go-to, okay? You, you, you say, oh, there's the shell, then there's the white, and then the yolk. But it's one egg, three parts. All right? Um, 
there's man in general, right? Body, soul, spirit. Light. Some people, I've heard some people say, oh, God, it's like light. Light has three rays that make the one. It's chemical, light, and heat. Um, or they use the, the illustration of the dimensional. Okay? When, when something's 3D, it's the one object, but it's got height, width, and length. And all of those really, really, if you're, you're trying to explain it from a simplistic point of view, but they fall short, don't they? You know why? Because it's so complex. It's not that easy to understand. Um, it, it's not that easy to explain. Um, you know, a good illustration would be something like this diagram. Do you have that, Kimmy? You don't? You do? So, again, it just summarizes three things. So, it's, it's God, but the Father is not the Son. He, he's not the Holy Spirit, but the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. It's one. All right? You, you could use something like that just to diagram, diagram it out. But again, even that really doesn't cover the whole scope of that understanding. And so there's complexities of what I'm trying to explain. And yet we know it's doctrine. Yet we know, and, and we know this about God. And, and so, um, again, what, we're, what I'm trying to illustrate to you tonight is this. We must view God as we see Him in Scripture. And not, not in the way we understand him. And what I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes we think to believe God, we must understand him. But actually, we don't have to understand God to believe God. And we don't have to understand God to, to know who he is. Um, we, we, we have to go through to the word of God. And so we're gonna, we must note then that each person of the Godhead is God. And each person is separate yet distinctly God. Um, we, can, we can look at Old Testament examples. We, we can see the triune conversation in Isaiah. And, and we won't take the time, but you can look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Several of those, the, the persons of the Godhead are speaking all to each other at the same time. Uh, Isaiah 48, 16, Isaiah 63, verse 9. We can look at the New Testament, um, for examples. You can see the teachings of Jesus. And, and we'll turn here. Look at John chapter 14. Look at John chapter 14. And notice verse 16 and 26. He says, I will pray the Father. So this is the, the Lord Jesus, the Son. He's speaking. He says, I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter. Now, who, who do we know the comforter is? It's the Spirit of God. That he may abide with you forever. Now, skip down to verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So again, here the Lord Jesus is, is speaking in those distinct uh, in, about those distinct persons in the Godhead. And, and yet many times you, you see, and again we, we saw it in Matthew chapter 3 where, where all of them were, were all at the same time. But then he declares again that there's one God. So, so again, in conclusion, the Father is God. Right? John 6, uh, if you turn there quickly, John 6, 44. John 6, 44. 
No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. So again, he's referring to the Father there as God. In Romans 1.7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and priests from God our Father. In 1 Peter 1, to elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Right, so the, the Father is God. We see that the Son is God in, in John chapter 1. So John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and you're probably familiar with it if you'd like to turn there, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. You ever really thought about those two verses? So he's saying there that the Son is God. Okay? He, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, but then also the Word was God. So the Son is God. In Isaiah 9, 6, in, in prof, uh, prophetically, in speaking about the, the, the coming of the Lord Jesus, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. But notice this, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. John twenty twenty eight. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. So Thomas, after seeing the, the nail prints on his hands and all of that, uh, he declares him my God. In 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. So speaking about the Lord Jesus, the Son. In Titus 2.13, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.8, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. So I'm saying this, the Father is God. The Son is God, but then we also see that the Spirit is God. And in Acts chapter 5, turn to Acts chapter 5, and you'll know this account of um, Ananias and Sapphira. They, they lied to the Holy Ghost. And we note here in verse 3, uh, after the, the, this was revealed uh, to Peter, and Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Notice this, thou hast not lied unto men. Earlier he was referring to the Holy Ghost. But he says, you've not lied to men, but you've lied unto God. So again, the Spirit also is God in Hebrews 9.14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so, in summary of all of this, from Scripture we understand that, that God in three persons, one. All right? The Father is God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. And we understand that only as so much that we see it in Scripture. And here's, here's the takeaway tonight. All, all of that was an elaborate illustration we must take it by faith you know if we really want to know who God is we must do so not just by fact finding we must do it by faith all right Hebrews eleven six. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith 
it is impossible to please Him. But notice this, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You know, we, we often think that, that that reward is those things that God uh, dispenses to us, His blessing. But the reality is, the true reward of the Christian is that you get God. And not in the sense of salvation, but that you get Him, you understand Him. You see Him more. You understand His ways. But that only comes not by your understanding, but by faith. See, the doctrine of our triune God in our example tonight is, is complex to understand. Okay, it's clear, but, but here's the thing though. It's clear in Scripture. To know God, we must allow God's revelation of Himself to speak for itself. We must by faith accept and believe that who He is, uh, who he is even when we can't completely fathom Him. And there's going to be some things that you read through the Word of God that, that will just, it's not going to confuse you, but it'll, it'll, it'll throw your, your linear thinking and our, our, our limited ability to fathom Him into, into a bit of a, a spin. But, but we must approach God, and here's the takeaway, we must approach Him by faith. If we're going to truly seek Him and truly know Him, we're not going to do it just through eyes of understanding. We're going to have to do it through eyes of faith. See, in Romans 11.33, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. You know, the, the amazing thing, uh, and we were talking, I think, to a couple of the young guys at the beginning of the week. We were just talking about how you know, you could, you could be a Christian for a long time and you could still, there's still so much more to know about God. And, and whilst you have, a, uh, you have maybe some, some sort of, uh, I guess, mental assent to the things that we spoke about tonight, the, the Trinity, there's some things about that we can't fully understand, that we can't simply explain through simple illustrations. But we know it's clear in Scripture and we've got to accept it by faith. The way to seek God, the way to know Him, is to approach Him by faith. All right, let's pray. Father, thank You, Lord, for just for the, the time tonight um, as we've opened Your Word. And Father, there's, there's so much that we can, we can know about You and many things that you've, you've made clear in Scripture. And yet, Lord, in, in those things, there's some things that in our limited ability to, to think, to comprehend, we don't fully comprehend. So I pray, Father, that you'd help us um, as we approach you, as we seek you to do so by faith. Help us, Lord, to, to know you, to seek you, to desire you. And Lord, we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name.